Chapter ninety seven of the Wild Huntress. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. The Wild Huntress by Thomas Maine Reed. Chapter ninety seven the corralled camp as soon as our quality was known the saints came crowding around us the corral poured forth its contents until nine-tenths of the whole caravan men women and children stood gazing upon us with that stare of idiotic wonder peculiar to the humbler classes of countries called civilized we managed to withstand the ordeal of their scrutiny with an assumed air of true savage indifference without any effort however since it was difficult to resist laughing at the grotesque exclamations and speeches which our appearance and movements elicited from these wandering yokels we were cautious not to notice their remarks appearing as if we understood them not peg-leg by the aid of his anglo-american jargon picked up among the mountain men was able to satisfy them with an occasional reply the rest of us said nothing but to all appearance earnestly occupied with our own affairs only by stealth turned our eyes on the spectators i could perceive that the huntress was the chief attraction and for a moment my apprehensions were sufficiently keen the girl had done nothing to disguise her sex the mask extending no farther than to her face and features her neck hands and wrists all of her skin that might be exposed were stained indian of course and there would have been little likelihood of their detecting the false epidermis under a casual observation had it been a mere ordinary person painted as she was she might have passed for an indian without difficulty as it was however her voluptuous beauty had tempted a closer scrutiny and in spite of her disfigured features i saw glances directed upon her expressive of secret but passionate observation some of the bystanders took no pains to conceal their predilection darnationed likely squaw remarked one who air she old timber toes inquired he addressing himself to the guide squaw utah gal replied the mexican in his trapper patois pointing to me he continued she sister to hunter chief she hunter too kill bighorn buffalo deer carambo see she gran casadora oh durn your casadora i don't know what that er means but i do know and rather calculate if that air squaw had the scrubbin brush and a 
leetle soft soap over that face o hern she'd look some punkins i guess the fellow who had thus eloquently delivered himself was one of the six who had saluted us on our arrival two or three of his confreres were standing beside him gazing with lynx or rather wolf-like glances upon the girl stebbins himself before parting had cast upon her a look of singular expression it was not significant of recognition but rather of some thought of viler origin the others continued to give utterance to their mock admiration and i was glad as the girl herself appeared to be when the tent was pitched and she was able to retire out of reach of their rude ribaldry we had now an opportunity of studying the mormons she o mems for not one of them had the slightest idea that their talk was understood by us most of them appeared to be of the humbler class of emigrants farm people or those of mechanical calling artisans of the common trades shoemakers blacksmiths joiners and the like in the countenances of these there was no caste that betrayed a character either of particular saintliness or sin in most of them the expression was simply stolid and bovine and it was evident that these were the mere cattle of the herd among them could be observed a sprinkling of a different sort of saints men of more seeming intelligence but with less moral inclinings men of corrupt thoughts and corrupt lives perhaps once gentle but now fallen who had no doubt adopted this pseudo-religion in the expectation of bettering their temporal rather than spiritual condition the influence of these last over the others was quite apparent they were evidently chiefs bishops or deacons tenths or seventies it was singular enough to see dandies among them and yet however ludicrous the exhibition dandyism was their display more than one swell strutted through the crowd in patent leather boots parisian silk hat and coat of shining broadcloth the temporary halt had offered an opportunity for this display of personal adornment and these butterflies had availed themselves of the advantage to cast for a few hours the chrysalis of their travelling gear the women were of all ages and it might be added of all nations several european tongues mingled in the melee of sounds but the one which predominated was that language without vowels the jargon of the welsh principality the continual clacking of this unspeakable tongue told that the sons and daughters of the simri mustered strongest in the migration many of the latter wore their 
picturesque native costume the red hooded cloak and kirtle and some were unspeakably fair with the fine white teeth fair complexion and ruddy cheeks common to other branches of the celtic race but nowhere so characteristic as among the fair maidens of cambria it was no doubt those sweet shining faces wreathed with free artless smiles that had caused the lady-killers to unpack their portmanteaus my own eyes dwelt not upon these ever since our arrival upon the ground i had been watching with keen glances the opening that led into the corral every one who came forth man or woman had been the object of my scrutiny but my glances had been given in vain and were not rewarded by the recognition of a single individual the entrance was about two hundred yards from the place where our tents were being pitched but even at that distance i should have recognized the colossal squatter as for lillian my heart's instinct would have declared her identity at the most casual glance neither father nor daughter had yet made their appearance outside the enclosure though all the world beside had come freely forth and many were going back again it was odd to say the least that they should act so differently from the others she i knew was very different from the ruck that surrounded her and yet one would have thought that curiosity would have tempted her forth that simple childlike inclination natural in one so young to witness our wild attire to gaze on our plumes and our paint i could less wonder at holt himself being insensible to such attraction but in her it seemed strange my astonishment increased as form after form passed out from the opening but not that for which my eyes were searching it ceased to be astonishment it grew into chagrin and after that assumed the character of an apprehension this apprehension i had already entertained but in a less definite form it now shaped into a cruel doubt the doubt of her being there either inside the corral or anywhere in the mormon camp after all had we taken the wrong track might not holt have kept on with the gold diggers the story of a chickasaw signified nothing might not lillian under the protection of that gallant dragoon with a torn tassel might not she it is quite probable i muttered to myself highly probable that they are not here the squatter may have resisted the will of his apostolic companion and separating himself from the mormon party have gone on with the diggers no yonder holt himself as i live the exclamatory phrases were called forth by the appearance of a tall man 
in the opening between the wagons it was hope he was standing still and must have reached the spot he occupied but the moment before when my eyes for an instant had been turned away the herculean frame and great rufous beard hanging over his breast proclaimed to my eyes the identity of the tennessean squatter and the costume confirmed it it was precisely the same worn by him on that eventful morning when standing before me with his long rifle raised against my life the ample surtout of greenish blanket cloth a little further faded the red skirt underneath the coarse horse-skin boots rising to his thighs the crimson kerchief turbaned around his head its loose flap falling down over his shaggy eyebrows were all identical with the portrait remaining in my memory i watched him with eager eye was it his intention to step nearer and examine us or had he come forth upon some other business he was looking grave and sad i thought but in the distance i could scarce note the expression upon his countenance did not appear to betoken curiosity once only he glanced toward us and then turned his eyes in the opposite direction this did not show that he cared much for our presence or was in any wise interested in it in all likelihood he shared not the childish curiosity of his travelling companions to whom he in other respects bore but little resemblance as he stood in their midst he looked like some grim but majestic lion surrounded by jackals his behaviour suggested a further similitude to the great forest monarch he seemed to hold no converse with those around him but stood apart and for the moment motionless as a statue once only i noticed that he yawned stretching out his colossal arms as if to aid in the involuntary action for this purpose and this alone did he appear to have come forth since shortly after its accomplishment he turned back into the avenue and disappeared behind the barricade of the wagons End of chapter 97